All right. Welcome to the first ever Six Levers podcast. I'm your host, Josh Randa, um, accompanied by the founders of the Six Lever Framework, Sean Lee and Joe Olwig. What's going on, Josh? What's going on, Joe? Josh? All right. Joe is going to lead us off with, uh, with what we call a check-in. So basically just an informal way for teams to come together and not get right into the busy of work. So I'll kick it over to Joe and let him uh, lead us with the check-in. You bet. Thanks, Josh. Uh, so this past weekend, I had the pleasure of helping my sister move um, from where she was living and to her new home that she just built, beautiful home. Uh, and so I thought for the check-in today, we would just go back and recall a, a fun moving uh, memory, something we, many of us have moved from house to house before. And her this was her move was incredibly smooth. I mean, her she had a moving company that helped her out and had a bunch of people, friends helping as well. And it was just a real smooth day, which I know is not common. So I'll just kick it around. Uh, good moving memory or funny story from a, a previous move. Hmm. I have, Josh, well, I'm glad you had that funny story caveat there at the end, because I don't know that I have like a great moving memory. And then all of a sudden you said that and I was like, I do have a funny story where I was a real <laughs> big idiot. Um, I was thinking of, uh, we were moving, we moved to San Antonio, we lived in an apartment complex and, uh, we were still getting the lay of the land, didn't know what neighborhood we wanted to move into. And so we were moving out of that apartment complex and had some friends come help us move and I rented a big U-Haul truck and got it all loaded up and was, you know, getting ready to turn, to pull out and, and go to the, our, our first house and decided I would turn around in the parking garage thinking for like spacing out and realized thinking I was in driving like my car Uh and totally like scraped and busted the top of the U-Haul on the top of the parking garage, like hit a pipe, Mm -hmm. like busted it. (laughs) It was just a disaster. And somehow like just, I was like, well, I could leave this thing lodged in here and stuck and then just like proceeded to, to back up, like scraping everything. And everything, oh, no. a huge hole in the top of the U-Haul truck. Oh, my God. And uh, the rest of the move was great after that. Everything was real smooth, but <laughs> didn't start well. Were you able to still use the truck for the move? Yeah, I used it for the whole time and then just, you know, went sheepishly, went back to the U-Haul place and told them what I did. And <laughs> and I think paid some extra money. I can't remember. But, yeah, it was That's didn't great. start out well. That's great. Thank you, Sean. Josh, what about you? So we've moved a few times in the last like six, seven years. And my last move, we were moving from Vancouver, Washington to Colorado Springs, where I currently reside. And my brother used to be my next door neighbor, but he had already moved to Colorado Springs, which is part of the reason why we're moving here. So my cousins lived up there and we had three days, like we got this big old um, trailer. You could load it up, but you only had three days basically to load it up. So anyways, we're like packing and we're loading concurrently, just like most people do. And anyways, my my cousin was doing the hard work of playing like the loading Tetris. And I mean, the the trailer was maybe 10 to 12 feet tall, like really big trailer. Like it it went pretty high up. (laughs) So anyways, all of a sudden, my cousin is like nine o'clock at night. My other cousin got a phone call, but she couldn't get to the phone. My wife got a phone call, and then I got a phone call, all from my cousin who was playing Tetris inside of the uh, trailer. 
Anyways, he was using something that was not a ladder and not intended to be a ladder to get up into a really high spot. <laughs> and so he's like basically on the ceiling of the trailer and he knocked over his not ladder, the thing that should not be used for a ladder. So he's stuck super high up, squished between like a mattress and the ceiling of the overall trailer. <laughs> and uh, he had a headlamp on and everything. So I had to like come out and like set something back up so that he could get down uh, because it was kind of a war zone in there. Anyways, it was uh, fun being able to rescue my cousin from the trailer. That's great. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm trying to think. So I've made a few moves, and my most recent move was just about three blocks away um, in the same neighborhood. And so uh, the way it worked for us was we had about a month where we had keys to both houses. And so for, you know, three or four weeks, I was just making trips from the one house to the other. And for the most part, that involved, um, you know, me moving sometime midday, right in the middle of the work day, working from home, getting like 45 minutes worth of stuff moving over to the house. And uh, at the start, it was just boxes. But then, you know, you start to move like weird stuff that like is awkward and doesn't fit in your SUV. Um, and so uh, I, I, I think it was like two or three, you know, maybe two consecutive days. And I'm the first the first day <laughs> I figured out how to get like this little plastic children's playground you know on top of my car and i'm driving real slow and you know just kind of looking around in the neighborhood and you know see this guy walking his dog and he kind of looks at me and he's like hmm you know kind of questioning that that move that i'm making i got my hand out the window and kind of making sure it stays on and uh you know we get there safely and and then you know the next day um or or within a couple of days, you know, I'm still on some big stuff. And so now I got a couple of mattresses from the basement and, uh, I'm driving, driving over there and keep in mind, I don't know this, this gentleman who's walking his dog a couple of days later, see the same exact guy who's like watching me now move like a bunch of mattresses with my arm out the window and, and walking down and, um, you know, he, he's a neighbor. He's, I don't know him yet, but I've now seen him many times since then. Uh, and so kind of, uh, you know, I, I think the, the memory for me is comparing that to my sister's smooth process, very buttoned up and she got it all done. She was efficient and it was organized to myself who was just like, you know, over the course of the month, moving most of the house by myself in, in some strange ways. <coughs> That's my fun, fun moving story. I love it. All right. Well, cool. Um, Anytime we're kicking off a new episode, a new session, what we like to do is kick off with a spark, a story basically from the field that gives us some type of lens, some type of framing into the topic of discussion that we're going to go into. So with it being the first one, we thought we'd go with a personal story, um, a little bit about Mission Matters Group, um, and yeah, just kind of frame the overall conversation from here. So um, very germane to the overall moving topic, um, back in 2016, I moved from St. Louis, Missouri to Portland, Oregon. And during this move, um, it was kind of a tumultuous time with Mission Matters Group as well. So it's literally like a week or two after I move up there, we have boxes everywhere still being unpacked. And at the time, things were a little rocky with Mission Matters Group, meaning um, we had some client problems that were going on. We had some internal processes that just weren't really that great. 
Um, leadership team was somewhat aligned. Um, we had big goals, big dreams. We felt like we were working our tails off, but things just weren't coming together as we expected them to. So anyways, I'm putting out a couple fires during the day. I have some personnel issues, I have some project issues, and things just like aren't working very well. So for the last three, four weeks, I'm having to work super late nights, um, up till midnight, up till one, up till two. That was the norm at the time. Well, it was, I don't know what day of the week it was, like a Wednesday or something, and it's two o'clock in the morning. I had been working, I had turned on the new fireplace. We had never had a fireplace before, so it was this gas fireplace that we turned on. Well, I forgot to open up the flue, which is not a good situation with any fireplace. And all of a sudden, at three o'clock in the morning or so, the carbon monoxide detector is going off. And my wife and my brother who are living with, a, um, living with me and my wife run out into the room, are freaking out, what's going on? And there I am, you know, passed out and I wake up and they see the fireplace. And my wife, rightfully so, was not very happy with me. And she saw my laptop in front of me and she goes, I friggin' hate your job right now. And that was kind of like hitting, you know, the proverbial rock bottom where I'm like, okay, this is not healthy, this is not good. Like my relationships are suffering, my company is suffering, probably our clients are suffering because we're not showing up in a very healthy way. And that was my moment where like things just have to change. And so little by little, 2016, we've had certainly our, our bumps and bruises and um, you know rocky moments across the last you know seven years, but we have gotten incrementally and marginally better um, over the last many, many years. And so really this, this is part of the overall story of Six Levers, where I am sure everyone on this call today has a story like that, where we know things can be better, it's taken a toll on our lives and our organizations, and we have to have a systematic way of getting better, of getting healthier. And so that introduces us to the topic today. That introduces us to the overall Six Levers framework, why it's here, what it's trying to solve, and what can it do for your organization and you personally? So really the question to, to Sean and Joe, again, the founders, the brain trust around the six levers framework, walk us through the overall framework. What are the six levers? And maybe in both of your words, what is it trying to solve? Yeah, I'll start off here, Josh, and, and maybe even just to continue on your story and, and, and relate to it a little bit here um, before we even you know go into the you know, what's an operating system and what's six levers, uh, just totally relate to that feeling of like you're what I, it's this picture of, a, a, you know, as a leader and how it's, you know, things aren't going well in your organization and it's infiltrated in like every aspect of your life now, right? Like it's at home, it's your, your relationships, your family, your sleep patterns. Like it's just gotten, it's just pervasive and has taken over all aspects of your life. And I, I have certainly felt like that as a leader in organization, both as a as a nonprofit leader and as an entrepreneur. Um, and you know, what it felt like is when I felt the, that many issues and problems as you just described them, right? Like there's all these things, there's team issues, there's kind of lack of focus in some areas, there's complexity that feels like we can't get our arms around it. Um, it's just difficult to know, like, what do I do to get past and improve this, this way of I'm living and operating as a leader in my organization? And many of the tools that we go to, 
they they can provide like temporary relief. They can be like, I can I can go to this this seminar with my team or this workshop or maybe if we read this book together or if we have this speaker come in and, and those are good things. Like and they and they give some momentary relief. But then you're sort of like back, you know, a few weeks later, a month later to that feeling that Josh just describes. Like you're back up late at night, you're back with your spouse looking at you like, when is this gonna change? And I think out of that feeling and that, that, that frustration of how do we change this in a more permanent way and build sustainable organizational health was a, that story I love because it's, it's really teeing up the motivation for, for why we developed the Six Levers framework. So um, maybe even before we I say anything more, maybe, Joe, I don't know if you want to jump in and maybe kind of jump off that and yeah. help explain yeah. what an operating system is maybe. Yeah, I think what comes to mind for me is, you know, just this, when it comes to the what and the why, they're so interrelated, right? The what behind Six Levers is it's a an organizational framework or what we refer to as an organizational operating system um, that helps your team operate with more intentionality uh, and, and using a systematic framework. Uh, and the reason why is has has everything to do with what you've heard so far, right? This desire to build healthy teams uh, build healthy organizations. And it's oftentimes always connected back to these grand missions that the leaders of those organizations are going after, right? We've got these big ambitious missions. We want to do things to help our communities and, and build strong organizations. And it's just really difficult, right? And, and oftentimes, um, the, you know, people are, are left to bear the burden of that challenge, whether it's ourselves, our teams, or our families. And so we've just, you know, in our experience, um, leading organizations, but also, you know, working with organizations have spent a lot of time thinking about the better way to run an organization, one that really focuses on building healthy systems uh, that, that people can really thrive within. Yeah, maybe one just thing to add here. Sorry, Josh, I know you're about to jump in, but, but this idea of, of um people being left to bear the burden like you got that 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 picture which i'm sure is relatable to josh at home like making that mistake that normally he wouldn't make obviously because of all the complexities and pressures at work you know he was left to bear the burden right so all of it fell on him as the leader and you know what that feels like is you've got to be a superhero when you show up and 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 that's possible for a day or a week or maybe even a quarter if you're extraordinary superhero but you know if we build the right framework and how we operate and the right systems and 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 expectations around what it means to show up well and be a leader <clears throat> and build strong teams and healthy culture and everyone is committed to that and working on it then all of a sudden that that pressure that feels like you've got to be a super every day it's just it, over time it, it's it, it's less and less the case and it becomes more about strengthening the framework and the way of working with each other and that was sort of our dream like that was the dream to say we don't want people to feel like they have to act like superheroes when they come into work every day we want them to feel like they can operate within the healthy ways of working framework systems tools and if everyone's committed to strengthening that it starts to feel less and less of a lift when they show up to work every day. It becomes more possible, um, and 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 everyone's committed to achieving that. That's great. 
Um, cool. Well, talk me through each of the levers, right? So this is the first time somebody's ever heard of the six levers framework. They're compelled that um, it can bring systematic health to their organization. Talk me through each of the levers and, um, yeah, if there's any stories associated with them. Joe, you yeah. want to take us off? Yeah, I think, I think the place to start with the six levers is that they um, were developed after working with hundreds of organizations where we identified six sort of common areas where they struggle, right? And so the six levers um, are identity, focus, cohesion, leadership, rhythm, and momentum. And one way we help teams understand what the six levers are are by considering these two different frames or two different ways to think about uh, what each lever is. And the first is that it's an indicator of team health. So if we think about, you know, the goal here is to really drive organizational health and improve um, the, the, the overall health of our team, we point to each of the six levers and say that is a core indicator of your team's health. Things like focus and leadership, how strong are those within your organization? Uh, and, and the stronger they are, the healthier your team. Uh, but the other frame is that each lever serves as sort of an actionable tool or a lever that you can pull on to improve health in that specific area. So again, you're reflecting on the overall health of your team and you're considering maybe organizational identity. How clear is our purpose and the reasons why we exist um, in that identity lever? Um, lies a handful of tools and practices that teams can pull on to implement and improve their overall identity. So, you know, just, just thinking about each lever in those two ways, we find is, is a really helpful way to, to get people started and, and acclimated to the framework. Yeah, and maybe just going into identity a little bit more, we can jump in and out of these different levers here. Um, you know, before we developed the framework, we were doing a lot of strategic planning work and, and we still largely respond to that. Like people say, I need a strategic plan. And, and we use that as the opening to say, let us tell you about the six levers framework. Right. And, and largely out of a belief that, you know, any vision and plan needs to be situated and live within an operating system for it to be successfully implemented. That's why we do that. Um, and that's, we have a deep belief and conviction about that. But the reason, I, you know, the identity lever is probably the first one that we started to develop out. And, and it was largely because we were doing strategic planning work. Um, we were working with teams to define where they wanted to be in three to five years. And we realized that were the teams that had real clarity of identity, their deep purpose, um, their, their underlying beliefs that were even there before their mission, those deep shared convictions, their values, the behaviors, the way they wanted to interact with each other and when they thought about what it felt like and, and, and imagine what, you know, what were the characteristics of great teammates. The measurable impact they had, we call those vitals. They, they, they actually had some, they had some idea of, uh, of what it meant to, to measure their mission and to measure sustainability and health. Those teams were much more aligned in, 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 in where they wanted to be. They're sort of out of this clarity of identity you know, how do we want to advance our mission and these other elements of our identity over the next three to five years versus the teams that weren't as clear, maybe they had a mission statement and that was it. Um, it's sort of like we can do anything under the sun. Like we can, in, in, the, in our broad understanding of our mission, there's so many different things we could do. Um, and it became, it was more difficult to, to uh, get to an aligning perspective on where they wanted to be in three to five years. So. 
we, we saw very early the importance of just extreme clarity of identity and taking the time to slow down and align on these things um, before teams get into vision. And, and, and certainly, you know, as we get into other levers, this will probably come up again. But as we think about uh, cohesion and, and leadership, all that being anchored to the most important identity of the organization um, is, is really important. Yeah, I think that I know we could probably talk on each lever for I'm sure we will 45 minutes to an hour all the time. Um, but but talk to me about some of the tie ins So you work with an organization from an identity standpoint, you touched on the word vision. Talk to me a little bit about focus and going a bit deeper in terms of how you're starting to translate and let that identity permeate through all the different activities that could go on within an organization, but what should go on. Yeah, well, so we connect vision to an, organiza an organization's identity pretty carefully because ultimately your vision should really be a reflection of why you exist and where you want to go. Um, and so, you know, if we kind of continue down this chronological journey that we've been on, you know, focus <coughs> the next place that we spent a lot of times with teams. Um, and we think about vision as sort of your three to five year focus. Um, what do you want to place emphasis and, and resources on over the course of the next three to five years? That's really, that's the vision of your organization. Um, but the, the focus lever is also all about creating focus um, across your teams and across the different horizons. So not only is it where do we want to be in three to five years, but what is the focus or set of goals for our team at a one-year level, at a 90-day level? And are we bringing that level of clarity uh, to all of the teams inside of our organization? Uh, it's really the focus lever that, that helps you to make sure your identity is being brought down to the earth and, and we're bringing focus to what we want to accomplish um, in, the, in the near term as well as at the one and, and three year levels. Yeah, this, this is the lever that I think we see almost universally like it seems like almost every organization when they get a little bit of understanding of what this is you know bringing focus to the different time horizons that joe just mentioned and and selecting a handful of priorities to focus on you know over that period of time where most feel like gosh we need this like we're, we're so unfocused like we come into work and it feels like there's you know, 40 different priorities to focus on, or if the team's not aligned, like individuals have their own priorities, but the team doesn't have priorities. So I think more than any other one, we feel, we, we hear teams reflect, this is this is the, the one that we really need to work on as a team. Um, so, so yeah, I think to Joe's point, it, it's, it's, it's the intersection of, we, you know, we often start with uh, helping teams to think about it from the three-year, three to five-year vision, just getting near, more near and near term to, um, to today to, to help them bring focus to all the complexity and everything that they could face. It's, it's also, one other thing I'll say here is that um, it's, it, it often helps to resolve the tension around like the team dynamic where you have like the, the, the folks that are more dreaming and innovating and, and, and the other side of the personality or communication style that's more around operations and execution. It's such a helpful framework for like those different types of thinking and for people to say, but these are the priorities we're aligned, right? If we go pursue that new particular thing over here that you're excited about, 
what, what might that cost us for the things that we've said that we're going to focus on for whatever this period of time is. So even just from the power of common language and tools where you, we all work differently, you know, we all have are naturally gifted in strengths, it, it's so helpful to take the diversity of different ways of working and put tools like this in place um, to really just kind of take the emotion out of a lot of things and say this is the, the way that we're going to set priorities, this is the way we're going to make progress towards towards uh, towards pursuing them and, and understanding that if we want to try new things, we can do that, but we have to do it in sort of the very conscious mindedness of, of what we may not do or what it may cost something that we've agreed to do from a prioritization perspective. So we touched on identity and focus. Take me through another one. Cohesion, leadership, rhythm, momentum. Where would you take us from here? Well, the, the natural one to come after focus is rhythm. Um, think about these as sort of like peanut butter and jelly because they're better together, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, you can have as much clarity in where you want to be in 90 days to a year, but if you don't have the operating rhythm in place to monitor how are we doing in a formal, meaningful way, if you don't have the operating rhythm in place to actually formally review that focus at the end of its horizon and say, here's how we did, here's what we learned, here's what we achieved, create that opportunity to celebrate success, um, your focus will fall off, right? Even the best goals will lose steam if you don't have that rhythm to support it. Uh, and so the Rhythm Lover is all about ensuring that activities like that, um, we, we kind of consider the, these activities, these essential strategic activities, um, it ensures that those are not left to chance. Um, you know, if we think about, you know, we pull in the 80-20 principle a lot with the rhythm lover and just, you know, call out the fact that certain activities are just more important than others. Um, and does your organization know what those are? Have you identified them? Um, and then once you've identified them, have you made them habit? Uh, and so the rhythm lover is really designed around making habit of those incredibly important activities. Uh, and they're so closely connected with, with the focus lover. My son would disagree with you on peanut butter and jelly being like uh, focus and rhythm. He's a peanut butter and honey kind of guy. Okay. Uh, okay. But <laughs> Good point. I do think one of the most peanut He's all peanut yeah. butter. So he didn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> we need a new, we need a better one. Something that's it's always good. better together. Um, like, yeah. Um, I was going to say, too, when we're talking about rhythm and focus, one of the things that I always find fascinating is, you know, anytime we're working with an organization at Mission Matters Group, whether it's strategic planning or a technology implementation, one thing we're always asking is, you know, is there an existing strategic plan that we should be aware of? And after that, whether they say yes or no, then the question typically is, how frequently are you monitoring this? And nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, well, we'll do a, an update, you know, at the end of the year or before our next boarding board meeting. So there's sometimes a cadence or sometimes a rhythm, but that rhythm is actually ineffective for how important that uh, overall initiative is to your point, mm -hmm. Joe. So I always yeah. find that fascinating where like we can right there's there's heart rhythms and sometimes those heart rhythms are out of balance and we need a little shock to get it back into a, an appropriate rhythm. So um, it's really well, helpful. To unpack that just a little bit, just real quickly, you know, there's so, so many of us associate um, meetings with being ineffective or 
you know, unnecessary. And at the end of the day, rhythms harness the power of a synchronous meeting where we bring people together. Um, but because we have such a bad taste in our mouth about meetings, we're almost, we almost just, we don't have them, right? We just kind of push them out. And, and at the end of the day, that missed opportunity to monitor and review a strategic plan, a set of annual goals, right? is huge, right? And so the rhythm lever, a huge part of it is helping teams to design meetings that actually work, um, that are efficient, that actually feel like they were meaningful and impactful. Um, and so it sort of, it reframes for teams that, you know, in order for us to, to not leave some of these opportunities and these activities subject to chance, we need to rethink how, how we think about meetings um, and, and make sure that every time we stand one up, that it's been designed with some real clear intention and and purpose uh, and structure. Um, I think along, along those lines, just to double click on this one point you're making here, Joe, is what I'm hearing you say is defining the objective of that recurring meeting rhythm um, and something that seems like a pretty simple, like a simple concept and idea, right? Most of the time, we don't do this. Like we don't, we've got this recurring meeting that we're all gathering together for and if you were to go around the table and say what, what what's the or the virtual room say what's the objective of us doing this every tuesday at two o'clock you probably hear very different things so but but starting there right aligning on what that is then allows the the, the meeting design aspect of it that joe was just talking about now you can do that all to serve the objective right it's we've aligned on what it is the all not all meetings should 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 be designed the same way they should all be designed to achieve the objective and and uh, yeah, the rhythms are, although they're not just about meetings, um, they are certainly, um, we spend a lot of times talking about meetings and running effective meetings and, and just kind of like flipping the script on the way people tend to think about them as being life draining and actually being able to be energizing and, and, and helping you to advance your most important strategic priorities. Yeah, playing off both of that, both of you, where in the last like five minutes I was jotting down how many times I heard design or intentionally and you can tell that you know with a framework like this the goal is not to say okay plug and play this is what you got it's just it's intended to be tweaked to have different thresholds of each lever that are unique to your organization so that you as a leader as a team leader can intentionally design uh, the different different components of, of your overall organization um, all right, so we've touched on a few. We have three more levers. We got cohesion, momentum, and leadership. Yeah. Which one you want to go maybe, next? Yeah, maybe we can go into cohesion here. And by the way, hopefully one of the things y'all are noticing here is that we're kind of like, yeah, maybe we can go over here, we can go over here. The framework is not a linear process. It's meant to be modular and, and, and applied um, to the unique needs of an organization. And there's kind of, you can start in any place. So if you're wondering, you know, why we're kind of meandering around the levers here, because that's really how it works. And they're meant to be um, responsive and attentive to, to the needs that teams have. So um, so with that said, cohesion, yeah, cohesion is really all about the power of strong teams and the systems uh, and the practices that they commit to, to get stronger and stronger. And, and really out of a belief that we have that at the heart of um, healthy culture are, are teams that are working well together, that trust each other, that are high performing, that are committed to those two things, that they're, they're committed to, to how do we create environments of psychological safety, 
how do we practice things like vulnerability with each other and how do we um, how are we committed to self-awareness um, so that we because we know that that ultimately makes us better teammates to the people that, that we work with um, day in and day out. So, um, but it's also things like, you know, setting common goals together as a team and, and just out of an acknowledgement that that, uh, that level of clarity and structure and, and, and pursuit of performance goals team, people love that and, and want that and crave that. Um, and I think the thing that we've realized in this is that, uh, you know, you can, or one of the things we've realized is that you can have clarity of vision as an organization, you can even have some clarity of identity, but when teams aren't committed to becoming increasingly stronger, it's really hard to make progress towards achieving the, the vision of the organization. And maybe the last thing I'll say, and just leave it up to the other guys here to, to share a bit, is that as a leader, this is the lever where you probably get sucked into the most when you don't want to spend your time, like dealing with, this is where interpersonal issues live. So this is when you're not tending to this, when you're not uh, intentionally trying to strengthen teams. This is that reality of you continually not getting to your most important items in your to-do list because you continue to get called into major people issues because of uh, relational problems and things that are working on. So so we, we often consider, we, we wheelers a few times, this is maybe one of the super levers in the framework and that that uh, it, it, it it's so important because it, it operates as an incredible catalyst. It can also be so draining <clears throat> and pull you down um, as a leader and a team when, when this isn't going well. Yeah, maybe maybe to keep things going here, um, to build off of that and bring in the other lever that is very closely tied to people is, is the leadership lever. Uh, and this is, um, you know, the lever that is really grounded in a belief that everyone within an organization is capable of demonstrating great leadership uh, and that we we must not think about leadership as a role or title, but as a quality that when we all bring it to the table, um, it can make all the difference. Uh, we refer to this as as the super lever, you know, as um, the thing that any organization, if they really seek to develop it within people, can become their organizational superpower. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's about, it's all about how we show up, um, at the individual level. Uh, and so the leadership, the leadership lever is, is defined by first a set of what we call essential leader practices, things like vulnerability, self-awareness, curiosity, these qualities that we just know are really foundational, um, to, to how we want people to show up. Uh, and, and so the, the lever is all about how do you systematically develop that inside your organization and then harness it and, and just call it out, develop a common language around it. Um, teams oftentimes want to see more of it, but don't know how to put their finger on, you know, what it is that they want to see more of or, or how to, to build it out. Um, right. We all, we want to, we all want to have a team of leaders and we know that that makes all the difference when we've got, just a you know a, a team of of leaders and and so this one's all about really recognizing the impact when that's true uh and and working to to build it intentionally uh within your organization yeah one thing i was going to say here is this is feels like a good point to maybe explore some of at least one interconnected piece or connection point between a couple levers and 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 it's we'll be talking about rhythms and the power of these these important 
recurring meeting times, and, and one of them is what we call the quarterly sync, where we look back at uh, the priorities we had for the previous quarter and how did we do, and then we also just have kind of an open conversation and encourage teams to do this on how they did working with each other, right? What went well, what could have gone better, um, what are things they're going to focus on in the next quarter. It's really critical for teams to bring, for individual leaders to bring a, a curious mindset, just as an example, to that, to those rhythms, right? So it's not, we think about these things sometimes and so we, we tend to isolate them or, or segment them, but the, the real power of the framework is when things start to stack on one another and you start to see how they're interconnected and how if I'm committed to, to growing and, and my own is, is just for myself, if I just start with I want to become a more self-aware leader, I want to become a more curious leader, then all of a sudden I'm bringing that to my, the quarterly sync, this powerful rhythm, and that's generating <coughs> some incredible learning for the organization, right, for, for our team. Um, and, and, and related to that, like what we hope you begin to hear here is that the framework is, is, is not just these like hard, rigid structures. It's not just about goal setting and, and three-year goals and priorities and, and measurable metrics and these things. That's certainly a part of it. But we don't believe that any, you're not going to make progress on any of that stuff, we don't believe, unless you're committed to your own leadership development and you're also committed to strengthening teams and building more cohesive teams. It's the two of these things together, which really uh, is where we start to see that sustained organizational health. Before we move into the last letter, maybe the la uh, a question before, it, you know, we talk a lot about having this being a, a people-centered framework. Can we touch on that just a little bit more? I think it's exactly what you just hit on, Sean, but expand it a little bit. Why do we call it a people-centered framework? And how does that actually take us into the final lever of momentum? Well, I'll start here. I think one of the reasons we call it a people-centered framework is because there's a, just going deeper into the design component that we've been talking about, it's not a paint-by-numbers model, right? It's not a run-the-play model. Um, there are certain aspects of it where we can certainly offer some strong guidance on like processes to follow, um, to strengthen identity, to, you know, to establish your three-year vision. We can, there certainly is clear guidance there. But it's people-centric in that uh, we expect both, both the leaders in an organization, we refer to as the key person uh, who's helping to implement the framework, we refer to that person as a navigator, whether it's that person or whether it's a consultant that you've hired to work with, um, that they are discerning and, and listening and, and learning about the organization and then the framework and all the resources and tools uh, that are there to, to solve the issues and problems the organization's having. And they're very thoughtfully applying them in a way that they think is going to, to fit both culturally and contextually, but also from kind of a prioritization perspective to solve what feels like the most pressing aspects that, that need to be prioritized first, second, third. So the, the person is at the center of that making those decisions and calls, as opposed to just saying, here's the framework, let me, let me just put it in the organization. An organization, you just have to run this play, right? We don't, we've seen all too often that when that happens, um, it can feel like for, for very mission-driven organizations, that can feel like a dilution of mission, like it's, that's happening at the cost of the mission. And so to solve for that, we, we, we empower people to, to match the tools and resources to the environment needs of, 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 the, of the organization. 
Yeah, in our, in our Navigator Sprint, which is one of our training programs that we run, we kick off that sprint by hitting on this very point around, Sean, what, one of the things you're talking about here is change, right? And how do we create change within organizations? And, and we know that a requirement of change is the desire, the motivation to want to make that change. And, and that is driven by people, both discerning, you know, what we might want to change as leaders, but also what does our team want to change? Where are we motivated? Where are we invested? If we're not keeping that front and center, the change mm-hmm. will, 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 you know, at best show up for a while and then, and then fall off. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's in the design of the, the framework um, that we think about the people dynamic uh, and ensure that people are front and center, you know, in terms of how we think about implementing and adopting the different levers. Um, but also, as you heard in cohesion and, and in leadership, uh, they, they represent a huge part of, um, you know, two, two of the levers as well. Maybe that, that's great, Joe. The thing to maybe add here is if we even go back to the story at the beginning that Josh shared, ultimately at the end of the day, this, all the, the whole framework is intended to serve Josh having a better life if it were if we would have encountered Josh back then right or our old selves back then right we would have (laughs) it's intended to say life feels more manageable I can connect with the people in my life in a more meaningful way because I'm not so distracted and overwhelmed by everything I'm facing in my work right there's space in all the craziness and insanity for me to focus on work that matters for me to focus on connecting with people right so all this to say is that all the tools and resources are intended to serve that, intended to serve opening up space, space to connect, space to pursue uh, the things that matter most, right? It's all in service of purpose and ultimately people, you know, maybe it sounds really aspirational, but living the type of life they want to live, both at work and then as you heard from the example in the beginning, how that in, in, how that impacts our home. So that's why we say it, like people are at the center because it, it's kind of our North Star, right? To say that we don't want to, do anything that starts to feel otherwise we don't want if we were working with a client and they were to say gosh this feels like a lot of rigid structures and systems we would say we're not doing something right here we they shouldn't feel that way they they should feel like all of this is intended of serving something that has a much higher purpose than just you know some operational excellence framework Mm -hmm. all right bring us home with the last lever momentum yeah, the momentum lever, one of my favorites. Uh, the momentum lever has been as much medicine and guidance for me as a leader um, as anything. But mm-hmm. but the momentum lever, it works to to really counteract these sort of forces that exist in in the world related to running great organizations. Um, and it's you know we've we've more information than we've ever had before. Our work is as complex as it's ever been before. We've been told forever, strive for perfection, strive for excellence. Operational excellence is <clears throat> North Star, right? And for those, if you, if you start to think about all those things, what they do is they slow teams down, right? They, there's this, this tagline analysis paralysis that we constantly encounter with teams where they're not entirely sure how to move forward, you know, what should they focus on? And the momentum lever is all about creating progress in a real intentional, consistent way. Um, and that's that's because we know that progress does many powerful things. It engages us as humans, right? When we see progress around meaningful things, we get excited. 
we're 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 um, we're energized. We feel motivated. Um, but progress is also, you know, what we're striving for ultimately, right? It's it's we really believe in the power of incremental progress, and that's the journey to to driving the results that you want within your mission. Uh, and so the momentum lever is all about that. Um, and so it's it's really flanked by a set of mantras, things like progress over perfection, one we've heard many times, uh, a more maybe contradictory one and uh, action even over analysis. Wait, hold on. Can you can you say that in the business world, in the nonprofit world, right? Like you say action even over analysis, right? That gets heads turning, but that conversation around why that is one of the momentum mantras is a super powerful one to have with teams. Um, and so uh the the momentum lever you know it pushes us to think about you know progress continuous improvement how do we build cultures of feedback when feedback can be difficult uh and and ultimately is is really the engine that keeps things moving forward on a on a regular basis yeah this one to me i mean it feels like i don't want to say it's a purely entrepreneurial way of thinking but i think it for, in many ways it is, right? It is a, a way of, of getting an early draft of something out there, getting a prototype out there and learning from it. And Joe mentioned this, we learn by the doing and really embracing that idea. Um, I think where we see this often kind of show up in the work of as we're developing vision or even like clarifying identity, we have a tool that we use called the compass where we bring all that together is sometimes teams will think like we there would be a little bit of fear of getting it out in the world and they'll think if we just if we just could have one more round of revision on this right and what we've seen is the longer and longer they take to to design these things um, they lose momentum right the excitement they had around their new vision their clarified identity um, starts to dissipate and so we see that the more quickly they can just get into pursuing that vision and and get into bouncing this clarified identity off their team they can adjust it right we can we can always adjust these things as we give feedback and we learn in in our in the real world and in life so um but there's so much more learning and doing and this can be a shift this can be a seismic shift for some people other people will hear this and be like oh thank god like i wanted to do this my whole life and someone's given me permission to do this um so it depends on you know where you are from just kind of your natural disposition but um, it's very much about kind of just being willing to move forward. And, and it's not saying like to just the analysis piece, it's almost like you're, you're just kind of shifting when the analysis happens, right? You're not, you're not saying it's okay with us not analyzing a thousand things on the front end before we do it. Because we're committed to continue to analyze and learn, we trust that we're going to get better and better along the way. As, and that's how we make momentum as a team and as an organization. Great. I mean, right, that's that's a perfect tie-in, too, for, okay, that's where rhythms come in, right? Because if we're talking about constantly reviewing and iterating, we need to have a rhythm for constantly reviewing and iterating the things that we say we're going to. So, again, just tying in that modularity of the overall framework is, is really uh, impactful. So one thing that the two of you talk about a lot, just in terms of the overall um, goal of the Six Levers framework, we talk about enduring organizational health for every team who seeks it, right? If we use that, if we have a bunch of listeners who are seeking it, what what advice would you give? What would you have them say, hey, if you are in shambles, what's the next thing that you would tell a leader, a team leader, um, a member of a team uh, to try next? 
think it starts with a mindset. You know, I'd start by saying it's possible, you know, kind of work to just reinstill that hope. We've we've all been there where we felt like it, it was more possible than, you know, than at times where we felt like it, it maybe wasn't. Um, and so we've seen firsthand what teams can do when they commit to it. And I think that's the second piece is giving leaders and teams permission to focus on this work, right? Focus on the business and not just in the business. Um, this is oftentimes something that is, you know, limited to the annual retreat or the one season where we get some feedback to, to work on part of our operating system, right? Um, this is something that leaders need to feel that they have permission to work on this on a regular basis and to really carve out the space to to take this continuous improvement approach to it and methodically week over week, month over month, work on it, right? And the nice thing is the six levers framework is, is, a, is a framework that you can go to and pick out things that resonate with you right now. We've mentioned a few times already that it's modular, right? You can start anywhere, um, but it does provide this great roadmap as to where you might start to become more and more intentional with your organizational operating system. Sean, how about you? Yeah, I'd say, you know, to think, love all that Joe said there, but think about the, like, how do you make momentum? And, and part of momentum is, is like the increasing the belief in what's possible among the team around you, right? So you're trying to like, think about what can I do right now to get me on the road to enduring health knowing that that's going to take a while, right? To be in a place where you are now, to be that transformed organization, is going to take a lot of time and commitment. But what do we do to, be, to increase the belief that that's possible? Because oftentimes you're, what you're facing is a lot of headwinds and resistance and people saying, if I don't start seeing something change, I don't know if I'm with you in this whole idea, right? So think about the intersection of what could be easy to do, but also have a high impact or maybe easier but also have an eye handbag. What are a couple things you could do? Thinking about the whole framework, you know, with setting a handful of priorities in the quarter where our team for the first time, and, and as long as you can remember, had a handful of things to focus on, would that be the thing that would start to increase the belief that enduring health is possible? Would focusing on maybe team building, right, and, and, and working on a, a tool that helps you to understand each other's strengths and communication styles, would that get you on the road to, to having to be a more trusting team? Right? Would it be clarifying your identity in the process of doing that together? Would that start to do it? Right? Think about what your areas of greatest needs are. And again, what could get you to, to building belief to what, what, what Josh said about this idea of enduring health? Because we know it's possible. We've seen it. We've seen organizations transform. But it often takes these leaders that are, that are in teams that are committed to it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. But you do want to help your team see some momentum so that... Um, they believe it's possible. Great. <clears throat> Joe, anything before we close out? This was fun. Let's do more of these. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should talk about six levers more. Cool. All right. Well, if you are ready to uh, get on the road to building uh, organizational health, um, check out sixlevers.co. Um, and if you're ready to take some action, check out our Navigator Sprint. That should be starting pretty soon. All right. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. See ya.